From local to global, we bring you the best conversations with your favorite athletes and Olympians. This is the Olympics.com podcast. Welcome to this holiday edition of the Olympics.com podcast. Tom here with you as usual, along with our podcast team, about to be joined by a remarkable young sprinter from New Zealand who just competed in the Pacific Games. We hope you enjoyed our Olympics.com coverage of the 17th edition of the premier Pacific region multi-sport event hosted in the spectacular Solomon Islands. There were some 5,000 participants from over 24 nations competing in 24 sports, with six disciplines offering Olympic qualification. Several ecstatic athletes left the Pacific Games having earned a quota spot for their country in those disciplines. We're about to meet 19-year-old Jordan Evans Tabata, one of 45 athletes that made up the New Zealand team in the Pacific Games, fresh off earning a Pacific Games silver medal by running the lead leg of the Kiwis 4x400-meter relay team. In her favorite event, Jordan put up a personal best time coming in fifth in the featured 400-meter sprint event. And that's really nice, but we're about to chat about a far more important, more profound, and really emotional meeting. Jordan reuniting with her father after nine years away. It's the essence of holiday cheer. And you'll learn about the amazing medical work her dad Wale is doing in the Solomon Islands to enhance the physical and mental well-being in that country. Olympics.com podcast. Joining us now from her home in New Zealand. So happy to bring in Jordan Evans Tobata. Welcome to the Olympics.com podcast, Jordan. Thank you for having me. So I, I got to ask, I always like finding out people's nicknames, what your friends call you. And I look at your initials and it's Jet and you're a sprinter. It's Jet? Yeah. Ah. Yeah. It's been quite a popular one. Absolutely. That's really cool. That's a cool nickname, by the way. Yeah, it worked out pretty well with the initials Jet and then... Ended up doing athletics and running. Yeah, for sure. All right. Um, since it is holiday season, tell us kind of what you're most looking forward to and, you know, what you're most thankful for. Um, yeah, we're excited for Christmas. Um, in New Zealand, it's obviously summer, so this is kind of... Yeah, there's time. no white Christmas, right? <laughs> yeah, going to the beach, hot weather, tanning time. So, yeah, real excited for Christmas and the hot weather. And, yeah, I'm just... I'm thankful to be sitting it with my family, my sisters especially. So one of my older sisters, she doesn't live in the same town, so she'll come back down for Christmas and we'll be back together. That's wonderful. So update us. How was, I mean, I know what you did, but how was your Pacific Games experience in, in the Solomon Islands? I mean, an international debut, which is quite a feather for somebody who uh, aspires higher. Yeah, it was super cool. It was such a good atmosphere and like the facilities were all brand new so we were kind of the first ones to be using all of that so that was that was really cool but I think just racing with some of the older girls was quite nice because this this was my first open age group event so I've never really raced any of those girls before so it was a good experience kind of like learning from them um just like seeing how they warm up seeing them get focused and in the zone which you know is a little bit kind of less focused on when you're a bit younger you just kind of just go out and run but yeah, saying all that was a real good experience. That's great. And obviously the silver medal in the 4x400 was something you'll always cherish and your personal best in the 400 meters. So yeah, uh, you have stuff to work on, but also feeling like you're moving along. Yeah, yeah. It was good outcomes. Happy with everything I did. I mean, I 
even though I felt like I could have run a bit faster, I feel like you always feel like that. But I was definitely happy, came away very happy. And I, and I know what you mean when you're up against competing against people uh, who have been Olympians, who are where you, you know, you want to go and be. There's just something about that, you know, being in that space that, you know, you learn just by being there. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, in Dunedin, where I live, we kind of have quite a young, young group of athletes. So I'm one of the oldest there. And going from being one of the oldest to being kind of one of the youngest gave me the chance to, you know, learn from them, which I don't normally get to do in New Zealand. Of course, one of the great heartwarming stories of the Pacific Games was not in any event. <laughs> Look at you starting to smile. At the airport, you're reuniting with your father while I, after nine years away, take us, take us back to that moment at the airport when you saw him. Uh, it must have been, uh, I mean, I... Few of us can imagine what that was. Yeah, no, I wasn't really expecting him to be right there. So I did come out and a couple of the photographers and the media people said, your family's around the corner, which I didn't realise it was just right there. So yeah, it came out very overwhelming and yeah, shed a few tears. But yeah, just turned the corner and saw my family with um, a couple flags and yeah, very overwhelming. Yeah, I imagine it was. Uh, when you hugged your dad, uh, I mean, th- th- probably a million thoughts went through your mind and, and none, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I was just happy to be back with him and it, like kind of where he's from. So, yeah, it was nice to be on kind of on soil and seeing my dad as well. Yeah, it's um, I mean, the whole thing is a remarkable story. We'll, we'll get into it uh, here, but. Uh, maybe you can explain why it had been nine years since you f- saw your father. I know there there's a series of events, including COVID and just stuff that, that just seemed to get in the way. Yeah, you know, like uh, we, we tried to plan a couple trips. We, um, one of them interrupted by COVID. But yeah, my older sister, she got to go over because she's, she's out of university now. She works. So her holidays are a bit more flexible. So she kind of just got to go when suited her, which happened to be at the same time as me and my younger sister's end of year exams. So yeah, we couldn't we couldn't miss our exams to go over and see him. So yeah, like well just before COVID, we had kind of planned like to go and then yeah, COVID struck, so which you know, put a stop to quite a few things, but that was one of Absolutely. the more disappointing ones. I know you spoke, but what did you miss most about not being around him? I think just kind of like having the support of two parents there with you was quite hard. Like my mum was always there, but just when you have to message or call after an event or after, you know, you get your school results back and things like that, it's it just makes things a little bit harder than having them right there to just talk to. Is he a piece of your train? I mean, has he been a, a, a motivating piece of your training or is he, does he drive you or is he the guy who gives you the words of wisdom or both? He was kind of just, well, both my parents never really put heaps of pressure on me because they knew I always put enough pressure on myself. So they were all, always there just like happy to celebrate my achievements. So yeah, when when he wasn't there to celebrate in person, it make it a bit harder. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. So your father's story is unique and intriguing. Uh, one of the first certified pharmacists in the Solomon Island. Yeah. It's a huge thing. And I'm going to read a quote, and you probably know this, but uh, he said, obviously, leaving you and the family behind in New Zealand was a hard decision. 
And then here's the quote. However, the opportunity to contribute to my home country's development and engage in much needed development, including development of a pharmacy diploma program at Solomon, Solomon Islands National University, developing the Kava space in the country, and interest in cultural preservation initiatives was a calling I could not ignore. That's a mouthful and uh, quite a great uh, commitment that he has made at the cost of, you know, maybe some comfort with his family. Yeah, so he, yeah, he was the first Solomon pharmacist, which does, you know, put a lot of pressure on him to to develop that um, that area of the country and to make sure the pharmacies in the country are running and going well and that there's going to be like something to come after him through the university. So, yeah, like we know, we knew that he was over there for good reason and to see like kind of the things he's done for the country and how he's developed the university and the pharmacies. Like I went and visited some of the pharmacies and, you know, they like, they looked good. They looked pretty well run and compared to some of the other shops that I went to, they were, um, yeah, quite well done. So yeah, it was nice to see what he had, what he has been doing. Cause we, that's something we've kind of missed out on just seeing the actual work he's been putting in over there. So it was nice to be able to actually see that. Yeah, and being a father, I can say that not only did you miss him, but I'm sure he, you know, the sacrifice he made to not be around his family, it it would affect any father to not come home to a house and not have the encouragement and uh, you know, as you just said, watching what he's done and being able to to support him in the in the moment. Yeah, so when he was in New Zealand, um me and my sister who's just younger than me, we would always be running around at his work or <laughs> you know, just there. So I'm sure he missed that a little bit. So it was probably nice for him to have me there, just meeting everyone in the pharmacy and walking around there. So yeah, I think he would have enjoyed enjoyed having one of us back there at work with him. No doubt, I can tell you. From uh, I have three kids, and uh, yeah, no doubt he would have uh, he would have enjoyed it <laughs> and 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 so much more. What part of your father's spirit do you take with you always? You said he's kind of laid back and lets you do. Th- you know, do your thing, but uh, there's. I know there's. It's deeper. Yeah. Well, they don't put um, a whole lot of pressure on me to perform well and like win or anything. Um, he's obviously he was the first Solomon pharmacist, and he came to New Zealand kind of you know not knowing anyone, not really knowing a whole lot about the culture here, and he ended up doing really well for himself and like going through university and becoming the pharmacist. So that took a lot of drive and you know motivation. So. I think I really wise to be that kind of part of him. Yeah, very, very determined. When you were growing up, other than, you know, maybe calm down or come on, girls, what, what were his words you remember most from your childhood from him? He was quite a joker. He's quite, quite a funny guy. So, you know, in the serious moments, he, he would always crack a little bit of a joke. So, I mean, there's no specific one that I can think of, but yeah. There was always something funny to light in a serious moment. Levity is it does help us all get through uh, the tension. Yeah. I, I know that for a fact. All right, so you're Jet. Yep. And uh, down the road, uh, you're not an Olympian yet, uh, but but as you as Paris 2024 approaches, I know you're going to be eyeing that, watching the athletics, and and seeing those who are where you want to be. Uh, what comes to mind when when I say Olympics? Um, I've always loved watching the Olympics. It's almost a family event. 
um, we always have on the TV. And, you know, growing up, I was always, the kids at school was kind of like, like, oh, you'll be at the Olympics one day. So it's always been in the back of my mind, you know, like I want to go that far. I want to reach those kind of goals. So going to the Pacific Games was kind of that first step. It was because it's run like a mini Olympics. We live in an athlete village and, you know, this it's a multi-sport event. So being there was kind of like more eye-opening to what it really is like, like what the Olympics would be like, which just kind of wanted me to push that a little bit more to get there one day. You know, one day, uh, I don't know, LA 2028. Yeah. I, I bet you that's probably cir- circled on some calendar in your place. Yeah, that was, <laughs> yeah, next year's a wee bit close. To, but yeah, um, LA, that's definitely one to look at. And uh, what do you think you have to, you know, obviously you're young. There's a lot of room for growth and improvement. What, as you approach, I'm sure you have training regimens and you know, nutrition things and, and all the things that go into being an elite athlete. What what do you have to do? What What's the most important couple of things you feel like you got to do? Um, For me, because I'm also studying, I find... <laughs> oh, yeah, there's that. Yeah, I find balance <laughs> hard, but very important. So, yeah, I think because this was my first year at university, it was kind of, I was just kind of finding my seat with the balance and trying to figure out, you know, like where to spend my energy. So I think next year I'll be a lot lot more experienced. I'll be able to spend my energy kind of better across athletics and uni without kind of overtiring myself, which I found I did a lot of this year. So hopefully, yeah, next year balance is a lot better. I've kind of figured out like my food, what I eat, what I need to drink and how much of it. So yeah, food and balance Probably the two most important things and everything else kind of falls into place after that. For sure. Okay. So much focus and rightly so on living mindfully and maintaining strong mental health habits. How how do you do that? It's There's been almost an explosion, especially at, at the elite level of athletics, that people understand that you got to be mentally tough, but you also need to recognize what's going on inside you. Yeah. No, I think this year was quite challenging and I learned a lot kind of just where like knowing where help is and when to ask for help you know as an athlete it's very easy to get overwhelmed like whether there's pressure like internal pressure just from yourself or pressure from other people that's unwanted like um, I'm a part of our Otago Academy of Sport down here and so we have mentors and different people we can go to and just knowing when to kind of reach out to them or yeah when to ask for help it's been really important. Yeah, and and understanding it's okay. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it used to be. I grew up in an era at sports. You know, you suck it up. Yeah. You move on. You know, all that stuff. But I, I'm so glad that that your generation and, and and others now have. It's okay to just say, "Hey, wait a minute. What it, what's going on? Help me." Yeah, people are taking that stuff more seriously now. Like whether it's injuries or um, mental health, it's been taken a lot more seriously now. Or at least I've noticed it has been, which is a good thing. Yeah, no doubt. So what are your favorites? Like, like for instance, like a role model or, you know, your, what are the things that make you smile? Um, I, I really enjoy watching and learning from other athletes, like elite level athletes, like Sydney McLaughlin, watching her prepare for a race is, is unreal. She's so focused and I wish I could be that focused. I get distracted pretty easily before a race. 
which is something I'm working on. <laughs> so watching stuff like that is very inspiring. But, you know, sometimes it's good to, you know, there's a focus. And then speaking of, you know, living mindfully and mental health, sometimes it's good. Like a lot of people, a lot of athletes like to be really chill before they before they go. You know, you don't. And I guess that's what that's the map you're you're drawing right now for yourself. What's the medium between, you know, overhyped and just, you know, a little too too casual? Yeah, no, I I like being a little bit nervous. I'm of course I, I was almost nerve wracking when I'm not nervous. So yeah, I like having a little a little butterfly feeling before I race. But at times like when I'm feeling over nervous, like just it's almost like out of control. That's the times when finding something funny or, you know, something less serious really helps. Because I feel like think you can't you can't really feel nervous and be laughing at the same time. Exactly. Yeah. And you know, at the international level, as you compete more, I'm sure athletes would not, you know, they would welcome if you came up and said, hey, I'm just curious, how do you do, how do you handle this uh, mentally? You know, there's, there's a whole uh, set of resources available when you're competing in that, at that level. And I'm sure from, from who I've talked to, they would love to be able to share their experience with you. Yeah. No, I found, I've talked a bit with Holly Robertson, who's, yeah, Paralympic javelin thrower. Yep. And yeah, she... I mean, she shared heaps of knowledge from kind of like heat acclimatization to just like comp day, comp day routine, things like that. And it's like every elite athlete I've ever talked to has been really welcoming and like shared any knowledge that I've wanted. So, yeah, it's really nice that like the elite level athletes, at least here in New Zealand, that I've come in contact with, they're so willing to kind of share what they know down to the younger athletes yeah and i know you know passing it on paying it forward is important i know you volunteered you've done a lot of work to also help younger kids in your situation that are you know trying to maybe have a career and you've you've done volunteering at at, at events and meets and stuff so you're open to that too right yeah i work <laughs> for a type of athletics and yeah i love kind of just being involved in that aspect as well as being an athlete so yeah I'll be officiating at the Colgate Games which is something that I kind of thought I would always do just growing up at the Colgate Games which is um, split into North Island and South Island here in New mm -hmm. Zealand I always went and I always I sometimes I saw my older sister she would officiate or volunteer so kind of just like it made sense to me officiating that's that's interesting okay so what's next you go back to Otaga uh, in Dunedin. Yeah. Got, got some homework. <laughs> Whatever that is. And then, you know, how do you map out your next year? And, and when do you really start, you know, looking at LA 2028? What's that roadmap like? Yeah. So over the next couple of years, I'll still be studying and competing. But I'm hoping to get dual citizenship so that I can compete for the Solomon Islands instead of New Zealand. Ah. We'll see how that goes. I mean, I think in New Zealand there's there's just a lot of athletes and very competitive. So yeah, we'll see. We'll see kind of what happens with that. But um like either way, just looking at getting my times down, maybe running some eight hundreds, which I haven't done for quite a while. Right. right. So yeah, just I've I've time trial eight hundreds, haven't raced them. They've been looking and feeling pretty good it's just yeah 
yet to get to get one in a race to get an official time. But yeah, just getting my times down, maybe just upping the gym work a little bit. I've kind of just started doing gym stuff. Obviously, I'm still quite young. So yeah, over the next couple of years, that will increase. And yeah, hopefully watch the times go down. For sure. Uh, you mentioned the dual citizenship. How difficult is it? Because I, I imagine if you, if you did get the citizenship with the Solomon Islands, then the Olympics, it, it's, it's on your horizon. It would be sure. doable. Yeah. Very doable. Yeah. No, we've, we've been trying to get it for a while now, and it's been kind of a slow process. We, my sister was organizing it a bit more because I've kind of been in school and doing other things. But now, yeah, I'm hoping to maybe go back next year go back to the Solomons next year and kind of just try sort it out there and just get it done it doesn't seem like it's too hard of a process it's just kind of getting it done right it's that paperwork and going through you know government agencies sometimes that yeah you have to be patient yeah but uh either way you have a dream and and it's it's great to uh to pursue that and I I, I can't help think I had this thought earlier when you're talking about your dad he would be I mean if you're talking about all pharmacists, he would be uh, on the podium, wouldn't he? He'd be maybe a gold medalist. Yeah, I mean, he's really, he's done a lot of work for his country and yeah, really, really changed medicine over there. Like he was vaccinating people during COVID times and things like that, which no one else would really think to do over there. You know, they kind of, since they're kind of isolated and when COVID happened, you know, not many people were traveling anyways. They kind of just thought it would never come. Right. But, you know, like it was kind of inevitable. It got it got everywhere. And he was the one to be saying, you know, you need to be vaccinated. And he was vaccinating people. So, yeah, he's definitely done a lot. I can see the smile. That's that's so much pride in, in what your dad has accomplished. Um, this uh, We're wrapping up here. I just, it, I would imagine with all he's done in the Solomon Islands, maybe a little nudge from the pharmaceutical world to get you citizenship. I mean, I'm just saying. <laughs> you know, it'd be good if someone helped me out, spit it up a little bit. But no, I'm, I think I'll be able to sort it out, hopefully. I'm sure. So what do you want for Christmas? Christmas or heaps of things, but I think some new kit would be nice. Some new training gears. I don't know, man. I got quite a few new things in the Solomons. My dad got me quite a few new things. So, ah. yeah, feeling like Christmas has come already. Yeah. The joys of shopping with dad, right? Yeah. <laughs> well, uh, Jordan, thanks so much for, actually, Jed, yes. I, I, we, we know each other now. Jed, thanks so much for joining us on this Olympics.com podcast. We wish you a happy, healthy holiday season. Thank you very much. And same goes. Okay, great. Be well. This is the Olympics.com podcast. Podcast. We'll all be rooting for Jet as she continues to develop her sprinting skill, perhaps looking for her at the 2028 LA Olympics. If you're looking for more on elite sprinting and sprinters, look no further. You'll find a treasure trove of original feature content right here on Olympics.com. For instance, on the line, Munich 1972. Who was to blame for Team USA's 100-meter mishap? Confusion surrounded the 100 meters as two U.S. athletes arrived late for the quarterfinal, clearing the way for the Soviet Union to claim gold in the final. Take the podium. Japan's historic 4x100-meter team trades Beijing bronze for reallocated silver. In 2008, the Japanese men's relay team won their country's first ever men's Olympic medal on the track. 
But after the first-place Jamaican squad forfeited their goal due to a doping violation, oh boy, Team Japan steps up to the silver. That's just part of what you'll find, some amazing original content on athletics and specifically sprinting. That's it for this episode of the Olympics.com podcast. Hit us up at Olympics with any feedback you have. We love feedback. Helps us to get better. You can also hit me up on my Twitter at TK Sports Tweets. Thanks for being a part of the Olympic community and follow the road to Paris 2024 Olympic qualification process right here as well. We'll see you next time. For more in-depth and original Olympics-related feature content, search our platforms here on Olympics.com. 